So if you're taking notes, I don't have a long sermon, hopefully it's not going to be long, but it's a simple title, which is God with us. And, uh, and I want to read a scripture, I already read it earlier, but it's always good to read again. It says this, she will give birth to a son, this is talking about Mary, Jesus' mom, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, there was this immaculate conception, uh, the Spirit uh, came into, into, uh, into Mary, and Jesus was formed, Jesus came God into man, into baby form, which is just an incredible thing. And this is obviously the, the angel talking to Joseph, who couldn't actually believe that this actual thing had happened. So it's a miracle. The virgin conceived and gave birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The point and the story of Christmas is so simple, is that the God of heaven came and wrapped himself in flesh and walked amongst us. Every prophet, sage, uh, uh, people who believe in different religions at all points towards God, but you have to do a whole bunch of things to get to God, and you somehow may attain enlightenment, you somehow may reach Him. In Christianity, our God, Jesus, comes to earth, wraps Himself in a baby, and lives amongst us, feels pain, feels tragedy. It says that Jesus wept. So when we go through stuff, we know that the Son of God has gone through the same things the Bible says that we are going to go through. And it just, for me, it brings encouragement that not only does God want to, he, he, wants, he wants to show himself amongst us, but he comes and wraps himself in our flesh, and he comes and he dwells with us 2,000 years ago in the form of Jesus, and he lives with us. What an incredible thing. It says that in, in John 1 verse 14, out of the message, it says, the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, God of the universe, always was, always will be, constrained himself to humanity so he can come and meet with his people. And that, for me, what is Christmas is all about. It's as much as we love the gifts and some crazy, incredible gifts that these kids want, but it's about God coming down, wrapping himself in flesh, feeling what we feel, suffering what we suffer. And it says this, it says, yeah, it says, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, from, uh, true from start to finish. And amazing that it says that, that the word became flesh and blood. And, and if you think, I know my wife because of the words we speak to one another. You can, you can assume a whole bunch about someone until you know them. Now, I have been doing a little bit of gym, and I've been in CrossFit, and, and you always know that thing, how, long, how do you know if people do CrossFit? They tell you within two minutes of meeting you. And, uh, and that's, uh, so unfortunately, if I've told you, I'm sorry, but it's not really having a huge effect. It, apparently, it does later, am I right, Clint? After a lot of work at, uh, at gym. But I remember uh, at gym, uh, I see these, these guys and they come, they do their squats and they're doing all these things. And I, I make immediate assumptions about who they are, what they're involved in, all this kind of thing. And I remember this one guy was this, uh, he was a big jock. Uh, sorry for those who are jocks here, but he was a big jock. And, uh, and uh, he was doing this massive squat. And, I, and, and then I ended up like just kind of befriending this guy. And I found out just, number one, that he's a Christian. 
that uh, sharing some of his story and his tragedy. And I think the amazing thing about what the scripture is trying to say is that God's word and how we know who God is comes through Jesus Christ. That in the past, people tried to understand him. There was, uh, in the Old Testament, they could see him from a distance. When he came, there was this thick cloud. He came in majesty. But now God himself comes in flesh and dwells amongst us. His word comes into our hearts, and it's Jesus. And we're able to know and see who the Father is when we look at pages of Scripture. And that's why I love, and I can't, again, just get out of the Gospels. That we always have to filter everything in, the, in the, the Old and the New Testament through Jesus Christ and how he acted. And he was more loving and more kind than we could ever, ever imagine. It's the same as if we all know the Dubai sun. I don't know if it's sunny outside, but it was misty this morning. But in the middle of summer, if you go and look up at the sun and stare at the sun, you will burn some holes in your retinas. I don't know if anyone's ever tried that. It's not, a good, not advisable. But if you did want to look at the sun, you have to put it through a filter. Everyone here has, has sunglasses with, uh, that are polarized, so you can actually look at the sun properly. And I think that's a picture of, who, of, of what Jesus is, that we cannot look on the majesty of God. If God himself had to come into this room today, we would all be flat on our faces. If you look, it happened to Moses, happened to Abraham, it happened in the Old Testament when the, the, glory, of the, God, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It says they were unable to do their duties. They fell flat on their faces. Even Moses wasn't able to even see the face of God. Now we can see the face of who God is through Jesus Christ. He is like that sunglass filter that we can look at the true life of who God is through Jesus Christ. Amazing. It says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And, and the word we often hear on Christmas is the word incarnation. Uh, we get it from the word carne, which means meat. And you get carne asada, chili con carne, not that it's kind of related to Jesus, but just so you understand that it's meat. And it says that God became flesh, which means that God became killable. He constrained his majesty so he can come in in a human form and show what it is to live on this earth as the perfect human. And that's who we follow after. If you want to know, if this is your first time at church, you want to know why do these people come every week? Is that because we want to be like Jesus? We want to follow after him. We want to give him everything in our hearts and lay our lives down before him because he is utterly perfect and we can bank everything on him and on his sacrifice, which I'm going to speak on later. Who's heard of Hudson Taylor? Okay, it's probably good to to start reading some Christian history. Um, But uh, Hudson Taylor started the China Inland Mission. And uh, just through a few failed attempts, he started to get like, I, I don't know how we're going to reach uh, people in, in mainland China. And he made, he made a list of stuff that, uh, that, that his missionaries, whenever they went out, they had to do. And one of the things is that they had to dress in Chinese dress. And in order to, and this is where we get the word incarnate, in order to incarnate themselves into Chinese society, they can't come in British clothing and to try to preach a gospel. They have to incarnate this, this incredible, incredible message of heaven that is proclaimed through Jesus Christ, proclaimed through the apostles, proclaimed in church, and it has to come and it has to make sense to these Chinese people. And he is credited to seeing an incredible move of God. And I don't know if, if any of you are following what is happening in China at the moment. There is a revival of massive proportions. And it only started to happen when all the missionaries were kicked out and there was an indigenous Christianity that came forth. 
And now if you look across China, there's, there's, there's young girls leading churches of thousands of people because there's revival that is coming. And you have a man like Hudson Taylor who came, whatever, 150 years ago, and he laid himself down in that place. He says, listen, I, I don't even get a return ticket back to England. When I'm on the ship, I'm there forever. And I incarnate myself. Hudson Taylor, incredible, incredible man. So, what are the implications of God being with us? Now, imagine if God moved, like it says in the message, God moved into our neighborhood. How would things be different? Now, I'm going to look straight from Scripture, and it says this. In John 1 verse 4, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, first of all, when Jesus came to the earth, when Jesus comes into our lives, because as much as he came there, he's still coming into our hearts. And those of you who today decide to surrender your life to him, it's the light of heaven comes inside your heart, and you're able to see the King of Kings in all of his glory. It says that, number one, it brings light. If you are taking notes, I don't expect you. It's Christmas. Okay, you can have a, you can have a week off. Um, Isaiah 9 verse 2 and this is a prophecy about Jesus written 700 years before he came. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And I, that, that, that word for me of deep darkness is, is, is what we live in this world. Just look at what's happening and has it been happening in Aleppo. That's part of many things. There's 27 million uh, slaves alive on the earth today. You thought slavery was abolished 300, uh, two, 300 years ago. It wasn't. We are living in a time where there is still incredible darkness. But I believe that the church is, is shining bright. And it's going to continue to shine bright. It's, it's because we have the light of the world coming and emanating through us. Not through anything we've done, but because God decided to come and live with us. The world is dark because no one knows the cure for its darkness and death. You have, um, and I wrote a few things down. You look to government. You look to the states. You look to financial markets. You look to technology. Everyone thinks we're going to get saved by the greatest, the best Apple phone that will come out. We join in unity and love. We sing songs in the 80s, 90s, and early noughties about the love and how love is going to change everything. And we realize that as we try this, the world gets worse and worse. And I think we have to realize and come back to the point of what is Christmas about? It's actually pointing to Jesus who has solved the, the problem of darkness, has solved the problem of death. That if we give our lives to him, death is obliterated out of our lives. We'll pass from this side of eternity to the next where we're going to be with God. And Jesus came and he showed heaven on earth. And, and he's calling all humankind to, to at least try to search after him. It says in Romans that is that if... Uh, I'm going to get horribly wrong, but this is a paraphrased version. But basically, if we seek after him, we'll find him. We, we, need to, we need to be a people that are, I believe that in this world today, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you are, you're seeking something more than what you live in at the moment. And you find, you're trying to find just your, your contentment in government. You're trying to find it in states, in financial markets. But I can tell you this morning, the only peace which Jesus calls himself the Prince of Peace that will come into our hearts is through him and through following him. Amazing. If you had to drive your car without headlights, I've done that before, it's uh, not advisable. You will definitely crash. And I, I love the picture, and it's so simple that Jesus comes and turns the light on in our life. We, we weren't able to see, but because of Jesus Christ, we can see. 
I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, God made him who had no sin, say no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think it is up there. Let's hang on that, the weight of that for a second. That through simple faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the, on the perfect, finished work of the cross, the ultimate revelation of who God is through Jesus Christ. If, if we put our faith in him, we believe in him, we carry the righteousness of God. If you follow Jesus, you have the righteousness of God, undeserved, cannot be taken away from you. It's just unbelievable, amazing, amazing message of Christmas. John 1.5 says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We live in a time where we think maybe things are getting darker and worse, but the light of Jesus will never be overcome. And I think that's the hope of Christmas, that we can put our hope in Him, and the darkness will not be overcome in our lives. Second point is that um, the implications of having God with us is that he brings life. And for me, John 10, 10, we've taught on this many times before, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is Jesus talking. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Not only life in this life, but eternal life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's, there's life now and there's life in the next. And I think when God comes into town and God comes into our neighborhood, there's life that comes of it. There's a lady called Jackie Pullinger. I'm sure, again, some of you would have heard of her. She was a missionary in the, in the walled city of Kowloon in the 60s and 70s and, and in the early 80s. Incredible woman. She, she had the stirring to be a missionary, and someone advised her, just get, a, just get a one-way trip somewhere. And she was on her way to Africa, and she ended up going to Hong Kong, and she found herself in the walled city of, in Kowloon, and the Chinese name for it was Haknam, which means darkness. Amazing. It was this, not a very big area, about thirty to 50,000 residents of the time, but it was almost forgotten by the government. It was, it was run by the gangs, run by triads. There was prostitution, there were sweatshops, there was slavery. There was just terrible things going on in this place of darkness. And all that she simply did was go in there and love people. I remember hearing stories when she should pray in tongues and she would, she would, she would, she would, she would get into the Spirit of God and engage God and then go pray for drug addicts that would almost immediately come off drugs. Heroin, which for those of you who know anything about drug addiction, that's one of the ones that hardly you ever get off. And she saw hundreds and hundreds of people come off heroin. And I love her quote, and she says this, I hated what was happening in it, but I wanted to be nowhere else. It, is, it was almost as if I could already see another city in its place. And that city was ablaze with light. Amazing vision this woman had. It was my dream. There was no more crying, no more death, no more pain. And for those of you who know the story is that that city actually got pulled down in the 80s. And I think partly because this woman would not back down. She wrote a book. It's called... Um, yeah, I don't know, Chasing the Dragon, but there's also something about, where is it? The crack. Uh, anyway, basically about light coming in through a crack. 
And she, all she did was she just showed the love of Jesus and slowly that crack came between the darkness and the light and the light started to shine in an area that most of us would, would be, that is a God forsaken place. And I believe that's what Jesus does. And any local church that's planted in a city, that it brings this crack of light in a place of darkness. And Jesus came and he came to a world of utter darkness and he just showed love. He showed unconditional love. We talked about it last week that Jesus hung out with the worst in society. He hung out with the people on the outskirts, the rejected ones, the ones that didn't make it into rabbi school, the ones that were, that were the tax collectors, the ones that sided with the Roman government. Those were Jesus' disciples. I'm going to read a scripture later, but it's amazing. Jesus, Jesus was at the house of, of Simon the leper. It was his friends were those with the ones with diseases. And I think any, Jesus came to, into, into a place where there was just incredible darkness and he brought his light. The third thing is that what, what happens when Jesus comes is that it brings relationship. I love this. It says the word became flesh. We've talked about that already. And made his dwelling among us. That dwelling, we can put even the word tabernacle. Is that he, he came in and he put, he tabernacled himself. And if you look at the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle that went with the people of Israel. Eventually they set up a permanent t- tabernacle in Israel. But that is the place that housed the presence of God. Jesus comes to earth and says, now nah, I'm the tabernacle. He leaves again. He leaves the Holy Spirit. The whole earth becomes the tabernacle of God. And I, for me, it's just amazing that God wants to be with us. He wants to hang out with us. He restores relationship. Jesus, his, his main pictures of what he tried to bring across was this loving father. He was the first to call God father. Abba, Papa, Daddy. He was someone close. There was a place of affection. Up till that point, it was, this, was God who dwelt in, in utter greatness, which he still is. But God came and he showed that you and I can have relationship with him. That in a second, um, I'm a worshiper which all should be worshippers, but I'm a worship leader. In a second, I can take my guitar, strum my guitar, be with Jesus. I know I'm with Jesus now. I know he's omnipresent and he's with us. But there's a moment where his manifest presence can come onto my heart. In the situations where it's tough and I'm dealing with things, I can have the peace of heaven because God has made his dwelling among us. And he's restored relationship. He's, he's broken down the dividing wall. He's punched the hole through the wall. There's light shining into our hearts and lives. That is what Christmas for me is all about. Can we turn to Matthew 26? I don't have it on the board. I only put it on this morning. But I'll read it to you. Matthew 26 verse 6. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large uh, sum and, and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, he said, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring out this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And there's just this moment where this woman, that doesn't really describe who she is, but on the track record of Jesus, she may have been a prostitute. 
And she comes and she breaks this alabaster jar, this incredible ointment over Jesus, which is of a kind of a, a, a looking onto Jesus' death. She was preparing Jesus for his death, burial, and resurrection. But she, she, she utterly poured out everything to Jesus because she saw how great he was. And for me, that's, I, I love worshiping. I, there's, there's a connection that Jesus, there was a dividing wall. Jesus came and he brought it close together. And I think that for me is what Christmas is all about. And the final point, and then we're going to end. Number four, when Jesus comes to town, into our neighborhood, God with us, he brings acceptance. And I love the picture of Jesus. He's born in a barn. I don't know about you, but if I was God, it's not a good idea to do that because we probably would be the worst God if you, if you think about it. But if I was God, I would go, cool, if my son is going to come to earth, I'm going to come with the greatest ceremony known to man. The whole world will see, which is going to happen at the second coming. But when Jesus came at the first time, the whole world didn't see. I would have, I would have put him in the most prestigious home with the best parents. But Jesus, God, puts Jesus with, uh, he puts with Joseph and Mary. Joseph is this blue-collar worker in a backwater town of not a lot of people. Mary is a teenager. And he chooses the things that are opposite of where the, what the world sees as great. And he says, that's how I'm going to show my glory. For me, if you struggle to believe, that's good enough. That is like, wow, God of the universe, instead of coming and with massive pomp and ceremony, throwing Jesus on the earth and saying, here's the Savior. He actually comes and he brings it to the lowest points. And I believe that it's so the, so the rich would have to humble themselves and it's so the poor can relate to him. And Jesus came and he wrapped himself in flesh. Imagine that, like God of the universe become, becoming a baby, sitting in a manger. We love that story. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing. It's, it's, the amazing thing, we, often we think like... For those of you outside of Christianity, you think, oh, maybe this is just a story. But I love the honesty of the Bible. You go read, go read the first chapter of Matthew, and it, it shows who is in the lineage of, of, uh, of Mary, and it's, uh, sorry, of Joseph. And it's not the best characters. I mean, if I was writing the Bible, you, you'd almost leave that stuff out. But it brings utter, utter honesty to show that this is utterly by God's grace and love towards humankind. Philippians 2.6 it says, who being, this is Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. If I was Jesus, I'd use that. But we're not. God humbled himself. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being, being made in human likeness. And I, I want to say this, that the, the gospel and the meaning of Christmas is that all are invited. Anyone who is anyone, if you're the lowest of the low, the highest of the high, we've had incredibly wealthy bankers come into our church. We've had people who are struggling massively financially. You are loved and accepted by a king. It doesn't matter your status, your background, whether you were born out of rape, whether you're born because you're perfectly planned, you are exactly the same in God's eyes. And he loves you. And, and, and for me, if the, if the picture we're getting at all about Jesus Christ is that he came and he dwelt with us. He lived with us. He wants us to be close to him. I want to tell you a story and then I'm going to end. A friend of mine who now lives in Cape Town, uh, lot of, actually most of you won't know him, bar one or two. In the early days of our church plant, we had about 17 people and we were in revival. We thought, that's it, you know, like 
gee, this is amazing. Like, we can't believe people even coming. And uh, he had come a few times. Some of his friends had invited him. And uh, so the one, the one night he went out, uh, got, got super drunk where he can't actually remember the whole evening. And uh, I'm sure there's some people in the room who've, who know that, that feeling. And uh, he, he kind of comes... He comes, he kind of comes around and he finds himself handcuffed to another guy in the jail. He's like, how did I get you? And apparently he had a, had a fight, had blanked out, had kicked someone in the head. I don't remember the whole story, but it was pretty bad. And I think the only thing he had with him was his phone. And on that phone came a, came a text. I think it was like two days before we had church. And he looked at his phone and it says, join us on Friday for church. He ends up coming to church gets radically saved, comes to the front. He's got a blue eye because obviously he had been in a fight. Jesus has utterly changed him. He's now living in Cape Town, pumping for God. And you just think, there's a guy who, who God had not forgotten in the jail. And it's as simple as some of you may have got a text, an invite this morning, and you know that, you, that, that this wasn't coincidence that you arrived here this morning. Can we all stand, please? I want to just finish with reading... Who, the, who Jesus came for. It says, Jesus, you can bow your heads in prayer. It'll probably be easier to listen to this. Jesus came to earth for the burnouts, the broken, and the broke. For the drug addicts, the divorced, the HIV positive, the lepers, the helpless, the outcast. Those who are the most serious of kinds, the brain damaged, the incurably ill, the unemployable, the rich, the poor, the incompetent, the overly competent, the shoved aside and forgotten, those who are in debt, the prostitutes, the consumerists, the refugee, and the filthy rich. Jesus came for everyone. So let's bow our heads. Father, we, we thank you for this message of Christmas, that you have invited us in this morning. That you are calling us in. You want to restore relationship. You want to bring light. And you want to bring life. And some of you have had, have had a really tough year. I remember seeing a video where this dude was just kept falling down a hill. And maybe that's been your 2016. But someone's invited you today. And you're like, I need to, I need to do something. I cannot carry on the way I was in 2016. The gospel is about God inviting us. Every single one of us. We deserve death because of our sins. But God made provision through His Son. And if that is you this morning, and you want to give your life to Jesus, it could be, let's call it a re-surrender. <laughs> if you know you've walked with God and you've kind of walked away from Him, but also if it's your first time, I'd love you to just raise your hand quickly. There's no one looking around. And I'd love to pray with you. Awesome. So Father, we, I thank you so much for your goodness. I'm going to pray a prayer. Would you all just repeat after me? Just saw one or two hands go up in terms of people wanting to, to give their lives this morning. And even if you didn't, it doesn't matter. God sees your heart, really. Don't think that that's your moment of salvation. Your moment of salvation is like, Jesus, I need you. And it doesn't matter if your hand went up or not. But I want to pray a prayer. And if, if you're praying this for the first time, please just pray it with me. But I'd love everyone to pray aloud. So, Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. You took my sin upon yourself. And you have made me clean. I am now a son or a daughter. Adopted into your family. I thank you. Amen.